Welcome to Rise Regardless, a podcast featuring the trials and triumphs of resilient individuals. I'm your host, Patrice Chan, and I'm so excited to introduce to you our featured guest, Stephanie Harrison. Stephanie leads the New Happy Community, a movement devoted to creating happiness for all beings everywhere. She also leads a team at LinkedIn devoted to successfully launching products that connect talent with opportunity. An expert on well-being and work, she guides leaders through bringing positive psychology concepts to their organizations and supports individuals in their pursuit of fulfillment at work. All right, Stephanie Harrison, thank you so much for being on the Rise Regardless podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) It's my pleasure. So we first met through LinkedIn from your Plus One Pledge initiative, and it really aligns with what you stand for, especially community building. Could you tell the listeners a bit about how your goal to build community came about? Yeah, of course. So I am fortunate enough to work at LinkedIn, which is an absolutely amazing company. And one of our social impact initiatives this year is called the Plus One Pledge. And what that is, is an attempt to help people to go outside of their traditional networks and connect with people who they might not have had a chance to talk to before and provide them with some level of support. And the rationale behind this is really that people who have strong networks are far likelier to get great jobs. And part of our mission at LinkedIn is to help to promote economic opportunity for every single member of the global workforce. And so by asking people to go outside of their traditional networks and help other people, what they're doing is really helping to change the way that people are getting jobs and getting access to that economic opportunity. That really resonated with me as part of uh, the alignment with my, my whole mission in life. And so I ended up posting on LinkedIn and received about 60 people who messaged me who wanted to connect. And one of them was you, and I'm so grateful that we were able to connect in that way. It really was such a phenomenal example of how much value we can provide to people with just a very small amount of effort on our parts. And that really aligns very well with, again, my mission in life, which is to help to change the world of work and well-being for the better. And what I am working on right now is something called the new happy, which is a movement about changing the way that we think about happiness, specifically in Western countries. Part of the narrative that we hear in the media, through social media, through other forms of communication and story is that happiness comes from the pursuit of gratification for yourself. It's a very self-focused, self-centered perspective. And my research, which I can talk a little bit about, has found that this is not the path to happiness. In fact, it's a sure path to isolation and loneliness and depression. So my, my goal is to help to shift this conversation and to offer another path for people who, of course, want to be happy and fulfilled personally, but truly also want to make a difference in the world. And thankfully, that has led me here to be talking with you today. Yeah, for sure. That's so amazing. And I know that it started a long time before you even uh, began your work with LinkedIn. So in terms of the new happy movement, how did that all come about? That's a great question. So 
it actually goes way back. <laughs> so when I when I was in college, I was very much on the treadmill of success. Even though I'd had an experience while I was in high school of uh, profound transformation when I went and worked at a leprosy mission in India and saw what really mattered in life, I still ended up falling for society's narrative about what happiness was, and I got wrapped up into that idea. I, after I graduated from college, I took a job working as a consultant, which for those of you who have either been in consulting or know consultants, is quite a lonely life in some ways. It involves being on the road four days a week, working 60, 70, 80 hour weeks. And while the work was incredibly intellectually interesting and uh, compelling, it wasn't fulfilling for me as a, as a full human. And so as I was going through that time in my life, working there and trying to figure out what mattered to me, I ultimately ended up after about two years having a uh, what I like to call a complete breakdown. <laughs> um, it was a physical breakdown. I ended up having an intense full body attack of psoriasis, which made it look like I was covered in scales all over my whole body, my face, my hands, everything. It was impossible to move or to even put clothes on without shedding layers of skin off of my body. And I had a emotional crisis. I was, you know, found myself incredibly depressed and lost and feeling like there was no meaning in life, which ultimately, of course, led to a spiritual crisis uh, that amplified all of that and made it even worse. Mm -hmm. And at that moment, I realized that I had a couple options. I could continue to try pushing forward something that I had tried in the past and had not worked for me. <laughs> And luckily, I, I noted that there was another path, which was making some changes in my life to live a life that was more aligned with my true values and what I felt intuitively would matter most. And at that point, I, uh, I got very, very lucky and ended up moving out to San Francisco, where I still live today. And I spent a year working for my, for my same job, but in a different office, which was much more supportive of a whole person well-being. And then ultimately, about a year in, I got recruited to LinkedIn, which has, you know, has the focus on employee well-being as a very core tenant of the employee experience. And <clears throat> part of my, uh, my journey was realizing that this is a very common thing that happens to people. And I often say that my story is really not unique. <laughs> it's not special. <laughs> it's something that happens to a lot of us. And I wanted to figure out why, why, why that keeps happening and what the stories that we tell ourselves are, what they might need to be changed to. And so ultimately that led me to pursuing a master's of positive psychology at Penn where I flew to Philadelphia every month for a year from San Francisco and did a full-time academic course load on top of my full-time job. And I actually even ended up going back to teach, which was a phenomenal experience. And as I was at Penn, I was exploring these questions that I had from a personal perspective through a new research perspective, seeking out insights from thinkers and philosophers and researchers about what does make for a good life. And ultimately, I figured out through, through reading a lot and through synthesizing a lot of these ideas and having lots of great conversations that we actually already know the answer to this. We've, we've heard it since, since Aristotle, since the Buddha. Uh, it's been around for a really long time. And the secret to happiness is helping other people. 
And the secret to changing the world is helping other people. And what I decided that I felt would be a strong contribution to the world would be to help bring that message to life for for people who live in our current setting and our current context, making sure that message is clear, compelling, exciting, and offering people with the tools and resources and community that they need to live that. Because society is very loud. They tell us messages over and over again. And my story is an example of how hard it can be to resist those messages. And I want to create a community of people who have these values, who share them, and can come together and support one another in making a better world where we are working towards happiness for everyone, not just happiness for ourselves. Mm-hmm. I think that's spot on. We definitely need to allocate some time into helping others as well, as opposed to just helping ourselves. And I really love that mention of how society is loud. <laughs> I found that particularly to be the case especially on social media or even media in general, when expressing what is viewed as right, appropriate, or even acceptable. And I'm sure it must take a lot of effort to block out all of that noise fully. So for you, in the wake of these societal barriers and perceived norms, what did you do to overcome all of that? What a great question. Part of my journey involved taking some time out away from the world and taking a little bit of a breather and I, in my family, we called it monk mode <laughs> and it was really retreating into, into a safe space of discovery about who, who I was, what mattered to me and seeking to build up that inner strength so that when you engage with the world, you can hold on to that core. And I think that continually I work to revisit practices that make me feel connected to that inner self that Uh, that source of strength and of awareness of what really matters through, you know, things like meditation or creativity or exercise or connection, you know, having really powerful conversations with people where you feel seen and you feel like you're seeing them is a very profound way to do that. And I find that by maintaining those practices, I feel grounded within myself to engage in the world uh, but if I let them last, sometimes it's easy to uh, to forget a little bit. And really, I think that's why I'm trying to build a community of people around this movement in the new happy, because we, we need each other. We need to be surrounded by people who are supportive and enabling of that mission, however we are manifesting it in our lives. And part of another another important strategy, I think, here is finding those people, finding your tribe, and building strong relationships with them who, uh, so, that, so that you can support one another in that, in that mission. Mm-hmm, for sure. It's so important to find those who are not only able, but also willing to support you, finding those support systems. And I know it can be a huge barrier for some individuals when it comes to making that career switch, especially when it's perceived as a highly coveted and stable career like yours in consulting. And as you've mentioned, being grounded has been integral for you. With that being said, How have external pressures and your support systems, if any, influenced your decisions? I was very fortunate. My parents are absolutely amazing and were so supportive. Uh, My dad flew out to look at apartments with me and helped me move into my new place when I moved out here. And my family, my whole extended family were incredibly supportive of, of that transition. And I also found that part of the joy of moving my life across the country was 
finding people who were who met me where I was at that moment there's something really profound about being able to connect with people as you're going through that period of transition and present yourself as that you know, blossoming human and get there uh, build a relationship in that way so that was a very powerful experience for me and I'm so grateful that I've met many many amazing people I also think that part of the groundedness for me translates into learning not to care what other people think Mm -hmm. and when you are deeply connected with your inner self and your your purpose and your mission then nothing else really matters the rest kind of fades away and that's another reason why it's so important to stay connected to to that self and then also to learn how to transcend that through service to other people because it it deem, it makes everything else irrelevant and you can you can live this beautiful alignment of pursuing something that makes you happy while also doing good in the world and part of what i hope that people can take away from the new happy community is that both are possible they don't they're actually mutually reinforcing of one another and that we can all pursue those different ways of contributing to the world while also fulfilling our own desires and hopes and dreams. Definitely. We don't need to force ourselves to live in this every man for himself kind of culture, so to speak. And instead, we can help each other, help one another to mutually thrive. And I think that's what I love most about your message just now, about the mutually enforcing balance. And I'm sure our listeners do too. So if someone, one of our listeners, for example, wanted to adopt this mindset and become more grounded, but just didn't know how to get started, what would you recommend? Would it perhaps be activities like meditating or writing in a journal? There's so many great pathways you can take. Those are a few, I think. For me, one pathway that I really took was reading, uh, reading tons of wonderful thinkers and stories and writers and testing how I felt about their content against what resonated with me. I think there's a lot of books that helped me to shape my idea of who I am and what, what matters to me and how I want to be in the world. So those were, uh, those were really profound and I'm, I'm very grateful for books. They're one of the blessings of life, I think. <laughs> um, two books that I can recommend as very transformational would be The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer and Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Those two had tremendous impact on me as I know they've had for many other people as well and would highly recommend them if you haven't read them before. That is absolutely amazing. I'll definitely have to check those out. Thank you so much for the recommendations. And on the topic of impact, I know you're achieving your goals through various means at work, via the LinkedIn platform, and the new happy movement, just to name a few. (laughs) What would you say is the most rewarding aspect of all of this, all of your impact? I think it's so rewarding to find people who are for lack of a better word, on the same wavelength as you <laughs> to to connect with people who are off in their little worlds doing amazing stuff and then to be able to bridge the gap between those worlds and to share and to learn from one another and support one another. That to me is the blessing of the time that we live in, of the power of tools like LinkedIn and being able to find your tribe online so that you don't, you're not confined to your immediate space or your immediate town. That is 
by far the most rewarding part for me. I, I say to everybody that the new happy is not, my intention is not that it's about me. It's a movement. It's a, it's a powerful message that all of us will need to live and to embody and to share and evangelize as much as we can, because changing the world is going to take every single one of us and we need to activate everybody's unique gifts. I, I view my part here as helping to share knowledge and then also to create the structure for our community to blossom. But what I'm really excited about is to see what happens when everyone else starts activating their gifts in service of making our world a better place and to see what kind of beautiful things come to fruition. That's going to be amazing. And I, I feel like that'll be the most fulfilling thing in the whole world for me. (laughs) Absolutely. I guess in terms of doing all of this and integrating into the corporate field, there's always sometimes people who are less willing to be a part of this movement and to integrate into this new happy movement. How have you dealt with those difficult individuals? Fortunately, LinkedIn is such a progressive company that when I am speaking to teams and leaders about what what new research they might want to adopt to drive their team's happiness and performance, there's very little resistance and often such a desire and a hunger for more. It's amazing. The, the strategy I use with naysayers, though, when I do encounter them at other companies more frequently is using data and research. So... Everything that I share is founded on studies and uh, and on psychological research, which I think adds a level of credibility to the messaging, especially when you're trying to convince people to adopt what is has been traditionally known as soft skills or things that seem fuzzy, <laughs> even though I would argue that practicing compassion at work is one of the hardest things that anybody can do. And it's far harder than many of our hard skills. <laughs> so I think that the that has been a really powerful lever to help convince people. And oftentimes I just view my work as putting something in front of someone. And if it doesn't resonate, that's fine. It's not my responsibility to transform somebody. It's my responsibility to share the information that I have and to provide a container for making it accessible and interesting. So if, if they're not on board, that's okay with me. There are millions of people who are, who are interested in this and who are hungry for this kind of information and to have ways of adopting it. So those are, those are my people and I will prefer to start there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I absolutely agree with that. Focusing your energy on people who actually resonate with your mission, care about what you do, and are really just willing to take part. And even in these stories you've just shared with us, it's really evident that challenges are overlapping and there isn't just a single struggle. So in addition to what you've already mentioned regarding struggles to do with presenting your research to naysayers, for example, what other struggles do you currently face at the moment? It's another great question. I think that, you know, part of what I'm excited about with your podcast here is the telling stories of the resilience is really important because people who are struggling need to know that other people have been through and come out the other side. And the opportunity to help communicate that is so important, especially through people's stories. So I think that when I reflect on, on my life and the challenges that I've experienced, my experience in leaving, leaving New York and leaving my job was, you know, on the scale of 
one to 10 of challenges. It was very low. It was something that I chose that uh, was not imposed upon me. There was no randomness involved. Uh, and I was ultimately able to bounce back relatively quickly. It ended up being a huge blessing. But unfortunately, you know, there are many people out there who are not granted that same privilege and who go through immense challenges that they have no control over. And the, you know, some of the challenges that I'm facing right now are the very similar to what other people what other people go through in, in the, the day-to-day of life, you know, uh, balancing a demanding job with a side hustle. <laughs> uh, how do you stay, uh, how do you stay healthy and present and mindful in a accelerating world? What, um, how do you get people on board with a new message or a new way of being? Obviously there's challenges associated with that. Um, I, I think that the, the challenges that I'm facing with my research right now is merely how do you how do you help people to see that this is possible so how do you how do you help individuals to understand that this isn't some airy fairy philosophy it's a very grounded way of being in the world and it takes intention and and execution but it's something that is possible and I think that for me, finding people's stories the way that you are with this podcast is a really powerful way to show that it's not that hard. It's just a orientation and that it is something that anyone can choose to do if they, if they value it. Mm-hmm, for sure. That's amazing. And I guess in terms of um, preparing yourself for future struggles and future obstacles, what have you been doing to get yourself ready for that? <laughs> Yeah, actually, I think, so right now I'm facing an enormous challenge in my life, which has been, uh, my my partner has been ill for the last year, and it has been an absolutely v- terrible, very challenging experience for, for both him and I, and the extent of these struggles have really put a lot of my past challenges into perspective and helped me to understand what what types of suffering exist in the world that we don't have any control over. So what I try to do when facing this challenge on a day-to-day basis is to remind myself of what I've persevered through in the past, to remind myself of what tools I have available to me. So that would be a lot of the research that I know around resilience, cultivating optimism, reframing, other cognitive behavioral therapy techniques that are really powerful for helping us to thrive in tough times. And then I would say the third, the third piece would be uh, social support. So asking for help, leaning on people who are engaged, who want to support you through that. So, um, and then, and then probably the fourth would be having, having a passion, having something else that's really fulfilling to provide you with another outlet when things are really hard. So when I think about those four areas, for me, if you're not experiencing a major challenge right now, you can lay the groundwork for all of those things. So that means that today, right now, investing in your relationships, practicing dealing with challenges, even when they seem really small and mundane, and learning to use those as stepping stones that are helping you to grow as a person, having a passion and having a creative outlet that you can leverage and working on that just the way that you are with this podcast. Those are buffering factors that you can use when times get really hard. And I've been very grateful for all of those things over, over the past year. 
gratitude. I absolutely love that. And I'm, I'm in awe because it's easy for individuals once they're overwhelmed to kind of lose sight of things that are really important, like gratitude, for example. So thank you so much for sharing these buffer tips with us. You know, it's always an option to take the easy way out and to give up, but you chose to pursue your version of happiness and success with fortitude. And I really, really admire that. So now with all these tools in your resilience toolbox, where do you see yourself going in the near future? What's up next? I hope that I can activate the energy that I feel around well-being and making a difference in the world and help help to propel other people forward. So what my dearest hope is, is to create the community of the new happy members into people who are out there making enormous differences in the world. And I want to be enabling them and supporting them as they do that. So my ultimate goal would be to have a thriving community of people who support one another, who are engaged with trying to address the many challenges that our world faces and are working towards that on a day-to-day basis while still prioritizing the things that they need to be happy and fulfilled. And when I think really ambitiously, (laughs) I hope that I hope that collectively we can change the way that society talks about well-being. I hope that we, you know, our our children someday live in a world where it's obvious that helping people is the way to be happy and that we have corrected some of this self-enhancement culture that exists in most of the Western world. And instead, we're living in a world where it is a obvious thing to to want to make the world better for other people. I would say probably one of my dearest beliefs is that if you have any sort of privilege, if you have any sort of resources, any sort of knowledge, the entire point of having those is to use them to help other people and to lift them up and to create better social conditions and structures in order to make their lives better. And that's the reason why we get our gifts, why we have those resources. It's to contribute them to other people. And I really hope that that's something that we start to have more of a conversation around in our world. Yes, I absolutely agree with that. I really hope to see more of that conversation happening as well because I think we really need our support systems because our paths are simply just not linear. And so I'm so happy that you're able and willing to share your story with everyone. I'd love to know, and I'm sure everybody else would like to know, What is one of the most significant lessons you've learned from your journey thus far? The main lesson that I've learned is that love is the highest aim of humanity and that choosing to embody love for yourself, for all beings, for the world, and to bring that to life in every action is the quickest route to happiness and to making a difference in the world. So it would be to, to love as much as you can. And there is no limit to how much you can love. That would be, that would be the lesson that's been the most profound for me. I love that. In terms of love. (laughs) 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 With that being said, I know that sometimes in hindsight, people feel like there are things they should have and could have changed. Is that the case for you as well? And if so, what is it that you feel like you should have done differently? Oh, so many things. 
I, uh, I, I wish I would have started the, the new hobby earlier. I wish I hadn't waited. I thought that I had to have all the answers and to be perfect before. And I wish that at a more, at a more broad level, I wish that I had not lived my life for so long thinking that I needed to be perfect to be valuable or to be whole. And I think that that's a particular crux for a lot of women in our world. And I'm sure, I'm sure many men as well, but it seems to really be something that is especially prevalent with many young women, myself included. And I wish that I had had the courage to embrace imperfection as a sign of being human rather than as a perceived weakness or something to be ashamed of. And that kind of belief manifests through your life in all sorts of nefarious ways. And I, uh, I hope that that's something that I continue to overcome though, to be totally honest, it's a daily challenge and something that will probably be with me forever and will, I'll constantly need to be working on it. Mm-hmm. And sacrificing is sacrificing perfection is so difficult, especially when society tells you you need to be perfect or things exactly. everything around you should be perfect. <laughs> I guess before we wrap everything up, are there any last thoughts you'd like to share with everybody or how can everybody connect with you? Any last thoughts would be that I'm in awe of everyone who has weathered a challenge and that includes everybody. I think that part of the part of the experience of going through suffering and pain is that it connects you with everyone else in the human race who has also been through suffering and pain. And therefore the experiences that are very, very hard for us are also these opportunities to reach out and connect and to learn from one another and to, um, to kind of inspire other people the way that you're doing with this podcast. And so for me, I, I just find myself in awe of people who manage through enormous challenges on regular bases that they, they had no control over things that have befallen them, things that were um, absolutely the opposite of what they would have ordered on the menu. And I, I really believe that the connection that we can have to one another when we're aware of that and we honor it as part of our human experience and we, uh, we are compassionate towards other people. That is, I think, an incredibly important part of living a flourishing life, as well as creating a world where people are able to share those stories. And so I'm just really grateful to you that you're putting a spotlight on people who have helped to have overcome and who not only overcome, but then put it behind them, never to be seen again, but then integrated into who they are and what matters to them. So I think, I just think that that's incredibly profound and, uh, I don't feel like my experience of resilience compares to that. And I, um, (laughs) no, truly, because there's, there's another level and the, um, uh, there's just so much, so much knowledge to be gained from them. So I'm just super grateful that you're, that you're doing this and looking forward to hearing everyone's stories. Um, if anyone who is interested in joining our movement and community, I would be absolutely thrilled to welcome you. You can find us at thenewhappy.com and there you can sign up for our community and a weekly newsletter, which will share actionable tips and stories with you about how to live a happier life as well as to make a difference in the world. 
And you can also find me on LinkedIn at any point. I live, I live there <laughs> and always, always available to talk to people in that way. Uh, so, and if, uh, if you're in San Francisco, you can, you can hit me up when you're here. Perfect. Thank you so much, Stephanie, again, for being a part of the Rise Regardless podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It was so lovely to talk to you and I can't wait to listen to some of the other episodes. And once again, huge thank you to Stephanie Harrison for sharing her story on pursuing the new happy, which is grounded in helping others to collectively achieve success, however success is defined. To connect with Stephanie and the new happy community on social media, you can find the links in the description box of this episode. Thank you so much for listening to the Rise Regardless podcast, and be sure to subscribe to join us in Rising Regardless.